0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Somebody Should Have Told Me podcast. And I am your host, Miss Majesty Dennis. And first thing I need to say is today is my first day being a podcast, girly. And so we're going to see. I'm going to do my best. Do I know what I'm doing? Absolutely not. But I have a lot of thoughts that I feel like I want to share with you And so here we are. And so today's going to be the first episode. And I kind of wanted to do like a little intro situation and let you guys know why I wanted to start this podcast and who it is for and what we're going to talk about. And so ultimately, my goal with this podcast is for us to talk about our convictions, our career, our coins, and just overall wellness. I really want to talk about... The things that we wish somebody would have told us, but hey, now we know. So, a lot of you all are new to me. Um, I have been blessed with so many new relationships. Um, One of the things that I prayed is that God would make me rich in relationships, and He truly has done that. Um, And so, with all of the new relationships, new friends, new connections that I have, a lot of you all don't know the backstory and a lot of the people that i've known for ex- an extensive period of time but maybe haven't c- haven't kept in contact with so much are probably wondering about my evolution as it is now. And so, as we journey through all of the wonderful things that i want to share with you, i kind of want to bridge that gap between i guess you could say my two worlds uh, that i live in. And so, a little bit of the tea, basically I started out uh, in ministry, grown up in church, uh, family full of ministers, family full of, um, you know, preachers, all of these things uh, within my, you know, aunts, uncles, great aunts, just loving the word, loving the Lord, been in church all of my life, all of these wonderful things. Uh, my mom is a pastor and things like that. And so church has been my world And when I was about nine years old, I got into the mime ministry. Uh, And if you're not very familiar with it, it's kind of like a cross between pantomime and dance. And it's something very prevalent in the gospel church community. And so I have been a mime minister for or was, I guess you could say, for about 20 years. And so I traveled ministering itinerantly, also preaching sometimes. And also there was like this reef time where I was a pastor. And so the Lord had told me (laughs) to feed his sheep. And for whatever reason, I thought that that meant I needed to do that in a traditional capacity. So you may be watching this episode and be like, hey, that's my old pastor. And to you, I say, hey, how you doing? Uh, And so I have been going through a process, okay, of just reflecting and what I really feel like that this process uh, was sometime during the year of our Lord 2020 when we were all going through a situation that was a pandemic, which I am fully convinced was the start of World War III, but I will spare you the details (laughs) Um, for another day. You guys should see the producer. He's laughing at me saying that. That COVID isn't start of World War Three, but listen, I know this. Okay, so I started, uh, you know, miming. It's it's, uh, you know, for the last twenty years, and so I actually had a series of major health challenges, major surgeries back to back that really slowed me down uh, as far as like the pace that I was moving at, ministering itinerantly, like going from church to church, miming, speaking, all of these things, and then I kind of felt like. Uh, like I was going through a transition around 2019. And then of course, 2020, everything came to an immediate halt. I mimed once, I think like maybe once or twice in 2020. And then of course, churches were closed. And so there wasn't really much space uh, for me to be going church to church, uh, miming the way that I used to be, but it was kind of confirming a transition that I was already feeling in my heart. And so during that time, Like I said, I've always grown up in church, grown up in the faith, the Christian faith. And uh, I had never like really missed Sunday service, even like coming into an adulthood. And so 2020 started like, I was really missing a lot of services and it was something that I wasn't used to, but of course it was beyond my control. And so um, I think that that time of not being uh, instructed, in that way, in a traditional church setting allowed me to kind of get some clarity and hear from God directly for myself. And so within my personal experience, I have had so many encounters with God that I know him for myself, undeniably, unwaveringly. I am sure about who God is to me. I am sure about who Jesus is to me, but some of his children, tend to add to the problem. And what I've found throughout my process is I talked to different friends and things like that is that they have experienced the same thing. And it wasn't until the quiet time of the pandemic that really allowed uh, me to get quiet and only hear from God, right? Um, and so I wanted to share that process with you guys. And I went through a process of separating um, what God has for me versus what other people think God has for me. And so now as I feel like I'm on the opposite end of that process, I like to call myself in this phase of reconstruction where I am building my faith from the ground up. And so within that, I have learned so many new things. I am relearning and equally as important as the things that I am relearning, I am unlearning some things. And so I really want to talk to uh, you guys about what that process has been. Now with that, I feel like I have a a unique audience. I want this to be my unique corner of the internet, my unique corner of the podcast space, um, because there is a specific uh, type of people, specifically type of woman, because I have had 31 years of experience as a woman. And that is the type of uh, conversation I want to focus this on. And so one of the things I really feel like is that I'd notice in my time of not going to church is that the messaging that comes across the pulpit, um, and even in my short time as a pastor, I feel like I've been guilty of this too, is that uh, the messaging gets very much one-sided. And so there are a lot of people who are not getting... Uh, the type of word, the type of support that I believe our faith should really touch. And I want to focus my attention there. There is a parable that's in the Bible, uh, Luke 15, 11 through 32, if you want to look it up for yourself. And we all know the story. It's the story of the prodigal son, right? And so uh, this father, he has two sons, you know, and one of the sons, uh goes out you know and and asks for his inheritance like immediately before his father even dies which is wild okay and he goes out and he squanders this inheritance you know spends it all on these prostitutes I mean just literally going crazy with the monies and finds himself in this pig pen and at his lowest moment he really like comes to himself and he's like Look, even if I was a servant in my father's house, being a servant in my father's house would be better than this life I'm living out here. And in reflection, I like to look at that scripture because he comes back and the father is just so glad he's home because the father feels like the son is dead. You know, they hadn't really been in touch, whatever the case may be. So the father's like, let's kill the fatted calf, call everybody over. We are going to have this huge celebration. Uh, for my lost son because I thought he was dead. I know for certain he's alive and let's celebrate him. Okay. Well, then there's actually two brothers and the oldest brother says to the father, like, I am the one who stayed and I am uh, the one who I've never, you know, asked for my inheritance prematurely. I've done all that you asked. I've never been a disobedient son. And now you want to do all this for my brother who is absolutely turned up on you. Now, mind you, let me add that this son who is asking for the inheritance, it wasn't proper to ask for the inheritance before his father has died. So essentially for the son to be asking for this, the younger son to be asking for this inheritance, he's essentially telling his father, you're dead to me. Uh, And so it really wasn't proper. And so the oldest son is like pleading his own case. Like, hey, I've been the one who's like followed the rules and you are really doing all this celebration. And, you know, the younger brother has disrespected you on the highest level and squandered everything that you gave him. And yet you want to do all this for him. OK, and so the father says to him, uh, my son, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. Now, that's all cute. OK, but like I told you, this is Luke 15, 11 through 32. So when the father's like, "You've always been with me. Everything I have is yours." That's like the last two verses, okay? That really bothers me because I feel like two verses. (laughs) Like this whole segment is about this son who goes out, does the absolute most, and and then even though. this oldest brother who's followed all the rules, done everything he was supposed to do. He's just like, yeah, everything I have is yours. And they really don't go into what the everything is. It, they really don't talk about how the oldest son who stayed and obeyed, like gets wildly celebrated. That's just the end of the story. And this son, the this youngest brother who was like wilding out, he gets all the shine. And where I find myself in that is the oldest son. OK, because... I never had no time where I was like out in the world, sinning and going crazy. And during the quiet time of the pandemic where we had to go to quarantine church, some of the times I found myself listening to the sermons that were being preached, like you need to get out drugs. You don't need to be fornicating. You don't need to be sleeping with this person. You don't need to be sleeping with that person. And I sat to myself and thought, I really don't need to hear this. Like none of this applies to me because I've been in church all my life. I've always taken God very seriously. And so a lot of the things that the messaging that was coming at me was very harsh for someone who's already doing what I'm supposed to do. And so that is who I am really hoping to reach through this podcast, is the people who actually have followed all the rules, the people who did not go wild, the people who um, are trying to follow all of God's ways, but still feel like you are overlooked and you are coming up short. And so that's where my heart is with this podcast, is that I want to focus on maybe those people who feel like I've done all that God asked me to do and yet I still don't have the things that I want to have, yet I still don't have the career that I hope to have, the love life that I hope to have. Uh and this podcast is for you and I want to share with you all of the things that you may wish somebody should have told you. So within my reconstruction process, I find that the biggest red flag for me was what we call purity culture, okay? And so that will be one of the first things we're going to explore within this little convictions portion. Um, And I will be highlighting with you some of the resources and some of the experts that I have turned to in my process um, of unlearning many of the ways of purity culture. And um, I will be bringing some guests on so you can hear from the people that I like to hear from to give you some insight, some fresh perspective. I was going through this process where I started to really feel like I was coming up short, okay? Because mind you, I am very much a rule follower. I am very much type A, do as you are told. If you follow the rules, things will go like this, this, and this. Uh, But one thing I do is keep an honest dialogue with God because he always already knows the truth. So there's no need to lie to God uh, because he already knows everything. So you might as well tell the truth and stop pretending, okay? Okay. So I guess I'll tell you this quick story, which is so much in my business. And the names in this story shall be changed to protect the innocent. OK, and so we'll do that. <laughs> so, OK, let me go back. Let me go way, way, way back on how we got here. So I was about 12 years old. OK, and at my old church, we had what was called a purity ceremony. OK, and this um, teaching was kind of based out of a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye uh, by a man named Joshua Harris, who has since come out to like recant many of the things that he has said in his podcast. But nonetheless, women in their 30s, 40s and beyond are still heavily affected by the influence of this teaching. OK. And so he writes this book and basically within the book is these ideals that you should not be dating anyone unless you intend to marry them or you know this isn't your husband it really talks about like uh he gives an uh uh, i think there are like metaphors along the lines of like a crushed flower you know or torn up pieces of paper that you have like given your heart out and given your body out in a way that you cannot call you know call back to you And essentially permeates the um, teaching that any woman with sexual experience is damaged beyond repair, um, you know, living like this lustful life and all of these things. And so a lot of churches really adopted this teaching and held it. And even areas where you may not be familiar with this specific book. Um, There were other books and teachings, idioms of thought that permeated this teaching that a lot of formal denominations held to within the church and it uh, negatively affected women. Uh, And so the first thing I would like to say is uh, it also speaks to speaks about sex in a way that like sex um, outside of marriage is like this unforgivable sin. Now, what I will say about this is Any teaching that positions you in this way that your sins are not forgiven or your sins are unredeemable is, in fact, the most antichrist thing that you could possibly do because Jesus Christ is our redeemer. Um, And so I want to start there and I'm going to tell you how the story continues and how the story unfolds. Nonetheless, even though I know all these things at thirty one. I did not know these things at 12. And so I um, stuck with this teaching. I'm 12 years old and uh, several of the people at my church, we had it was much like a wedding. okay? so kind of I wouldn't even say it was like a cotillion, but I think there were may have been like two. 12 of us that participated in this series in this ceremony. The girls did it and the boys did it. We walked down the aisle in these beautiful gowns and these beautiful dresses uh that we ha- you know wore, you know, we were all dolled up, hair done. Um I remember my dress was much like a quinceañera type dress, very cute, very pretty. Um, and then you walk down and you say your vow to abstain until your wedding day. Um you're making this commitment at 12 years old, okay? And then we got a ring uh, that said True Love Waits, which was the slogan for the Purity Movement. And this True Love Waits ring was placed on our wedding ring finger. Now me, knowing the Lord, he- hearing and understanding his voice the way that I always have, I always thought that other people would regard and reverence the voice of God Uh, the same way that I did and not use hearing from God as an opportunity to manipulate others. Needless to say, I now know that that was wrong. And there are other people who do not uh, regard the voice of God as sacredly, and they do use that to manipulate other people um, with that. And so a lot of the things that were coming at me across the pulpit, I just kind of took it as fact because I felt like other people will, you know, Take God's voice as seriously as I do. I was naive in that thinking. And I am now in a process of recovery uh, from holding that ideal. So, from the age of 12 all the way up to the age of probably like 28, I wore that purity ring. Um, And then I remember one pastor actually telling me uh, that if I wore the purity ring, um, on the wedding finger, uh, that people, men would think I was married. And for whatever reason, I dismissed what he was saying and didn't take it as seriously. I feel like at one point I moved it to a right, to my right hand. Um, and there was also another arm of this purity movement, this purity culture that said the right man will know, that you are his wife even if he sees you wearing this ring on your ring finger which i'm just going to tell you quite plainly is so dumb who told us that uh like, like i really so if people ask me why i am still single it's probably that it's because i was waiting on some man to look at this overlook this ring on my wedding finger any man with some sense probably wouldn't do that okay so the story continues um, so coupled with this ideology from purity culture that comes with the faith, I also had grown up like in a very conservative home, very strict family, very strict rules. And so coupled with church happenings, there was also, uh, like a personal, uh, standard within my home of a certain way I had to conduct myself. I just naturally tend to follow the rules. Um even though if, if I'm thinking something different, I still my disposition is to kind of be obedient. Um and and I'll get into more why that is later, but with that because I'm we are holding this ideal that you should not be dating anyone that is your husband, even though how are we going to know if it is our husband if we cannot date him uh I also was not allowed to date as a younger child. And so I went through like all of my upbringing, all of my school years, not having like gone on a date. And so the things that I have learned about dating, about coming into touch with my sensuality, my femininity, my sexuality, and holding that while still holding my anointing as a woman of God, I've had to discover in my adult years. And what I found is that women who um have shared that same experience are a lot more common than what we think. Plus also Anne. I remember like this one time I tried to be like disobedient. Um and like my mom is a prophet and she would always see things or know things that I wasn't telling her. And I feel like my mom's prophetic abilities go further than what any natural mama instinct normally goes so I remember this one time like okay so I was young so I was not not able to have any boyfriends not able to talk on the phone to any boys not able to text them not able to mom didn't want me passing notes none of that um and so now mind you I'm holding this while having a a personal ministry of my own from the age of nine. So I'm wanting all of my convictions and the things that I'm telling other people to be congruent. And so I came to this very hard internal standard that I had for myself because I held so much pressure of trying to live the things that I was saying. Now I know that that is not balanced. And so I don't have this heavy sense sense of regret anymore anymore. Um, But there is this process of undoing. So funny story. I remember this one time I got a cell phone and I had this guy in school that I used to have a crush on and I was like texting him like, I like you so much. Now, with me being an obedient child and not giving my mom like really any problems, she never was one to check my phone. Whatever happened this particular day, I was like in the 10th grade. Out of nowhere, she just picks up my phone and like finds that I have been texting this boy when I'm supposed to be in class, when I've been supposed to be uh, focusing and all of these things and, you know, just like kind of made me stop talking to him. In my mind, all of these infants, infancy, childish puppy love stages, I think are are naturally needed. Uh, as you relate to men. And we'll get into that later as we talk more into the podcast. Um, And so she found my phone and she made me stop talking to him. So I think that the rules that I had um, coupled with almost what seemed to be like these prophetic interventions made me feel like my correspondence and my interaction with men was something that wasn't supposed to happen. And so I am trying to... Um, and have done pretty masterfully find my way back to this balance as it is time for me to focus with men be intentional about my dating life. Um, but this is a lot of undoing. And so as we go into this podcast, I want to bring to you some trusted voices that have helped me throughout this process uh, that I think will help you reframe refr- your ideologies in a way that is congruent with your Christian faith how to examine and come to the point that you need to be at, not the point that someone else tells you that you need to be at, but what God has for you. I want to help you to find that for yourself. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, And I am going to um, stay tuned uh, because I'm really excited for you to hear from some of the voices that I have uh, coming onto this podcast. Uh, If you like what you heard today, please subscribe you, su- you subscribe to, po- yes, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Somebody Should Have Told Me podcast uh, and leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. If you don't think this was worth five stars, don't leave any review. If it's not five stars, just don't say anything. Go in peace, okay? Five stars only. Tell us what you think in the podcast. And did you grow up in purity culture? Let me know in the comments. Until next time. Hi guys. Hello, it's Majesty here and I'm your host of the Somebody Should Have Told Me podcast where we talk about our convictions, our career, our coins and just overall wellness. I want you to check out my ebook Majesty's 6 Steps to Six Figures where I show you how to get the salary you deserve. So click the link in the show notes, the bio, wherever you're listening or watching this podcast, and let me show you how to get to the money. All right.